And everybody said amen, huh? <clears throat> wow, what a, what a gift Aaron Toms and his family has been to our church. My goodness, great job today. Thank y'all so much. Well, I want to remind you today about one of the things that we talked about at the beginning of this series, and that is evangelistic sensitivity. Y'all remember we mentioned that, we're going to continue to talk about it and put it before you, because that is what we are seeking to cultivate in our lives. When I had a conversation with Luke, who you just met a few moments ago, um, he works at Friends University in Wichita, Kansas, and he is their outreach missions campus pastor, working with college students primarily. But he feels that call to mission, to evangelism, and we discussed this challenge of cultivating evangelistic sensitivity in the life of a church, across the life of a church. And that is what we want to make sure that you continue to, to pray about, think about, and I hope that you are beginning to develop that, that sensitivity, those open doors for sharing the gospel. When they are there, we need to take advantage of them and give that word a testimony. And so with that said, as I mentioned to you, the church is trying to um, model that for you, I guess is what I would say. And so Easter, why does it matter, is this emphasis during this season where we as a church family want to share the gospel with our community is our plan. So here's what we want you to do. Today, here's what's available for you today. These yard signs, and you can get one of these today and I already have mine up in my yard. And they're available out at the, uh, the drive-through on, uh, in front of the chapel. They're also gonna be available at the Preschool Children's Building at that drive-through. And uh, you can take these and put them in your yard. We also have uh, cards that you can distribute. We have posters. Uh, we have folks who live in apartment complexes and, and business owners that might wanna display these posters. And here's what's really exciting about this, y'all. This big circle right here is a QR code. And when you take your phone and you just uh, use your camera and go to this landing page, it'll take you to a landing page. And each one of these little circles represents a different language. And the gospel is shared on this landing page in eight different languages. And there are videos, and these are our church people that are sharing the gospel in their own indigenous languages. And I do the one, um, remarkably, they chose me for English, so that's the one I, I felt led to do. Um, but uh, each one of these circles, people who speak these various languages recognize these as the, a, a representation of their own language. And there are written materials where the gospel is written in each one of these languages. I wrote a, a message about the good news. We've translated it into all these seven other languages. And so um, you are going to be able, just by putting a sign in your yard, share the gospel with the eight largest language groups in the Metroplex. So what if a thousand people downloaded this or went to this QR code and watched and listened to the gospel and a hundred of them became Christians? Wouldn't that be awesome? Wouldn't you agree? What, what if 10,000 people went to it and a thousand of them became Christians? Wouldn't that be awesome? 
Here's what I would tell you. The reason people don't get saved is not because the gospel isn't good news. That's not why. The reason some people don't get saved is because no one tells them the good news. Because here's what I want you to know. The gospel is good news. And if you share it, it will change people's lives. Our church, one of the things that we do is we support Restore Hope. It's the, the ministry that Cindy leads now. I serve on that board. And through Restore Hope, we do a lot of things across the world. One of the things that we do is it is the way, the vehicle that we send our workers to our global mission centers. And so all of our workers who are out on the field right now have gone through Restore Hope. And in Sierra Leone, one of the things that Restore Hope does is they provide a, an opportunity for us to care for orphans through our orphan sponsorship program. Cindy and I have participated in that program, and we have an orphan that we have supported for a number of years. He's graduated from the program. He's graduated from high school. He's now attending the Evangelical College of Theology. He's been saved through the orphan sponsorship program. He was an orphan because of the war in Sierra Leone. Uh, his name is Abdul, and Abdul has come to faith in Christ. He's answered a call to the gospel ministry on his life. He works for Restore Hope in Sierra Leone. And the last time I was there, he told me he felt God was calling him to be a church planter. He had no training. He'd never done it before, but it's what he felt called to. So we put him under the umbrella of Pastor Emmanuel, and so he has been trained. He now has gone back to his home village. Well, Abdul just sent us a report yesterday. Friday, rather, the day before yesterday. He now has 36 church planters who are working for him and with him. And in December, they begin to intentionally take the gospel to the area around where Abdul was reared. And let me just give this to you. December, January, February, and March, Abdul sent this to us. They have had 1,977 people come to faith in Christ in these last four months. Isn't that awesome? And you're a part of that because as you re support Restore Hope, you're helping to support people like Abdul. And you know what Abdul told us when Cindy talked to him yesterday? She said, Abdul, are you sure this many people have been saved? And he said, well, you know, Mama Cindy, all we do is tell them about Jesus and they're coming to faith right and left. And now they're back following on each one of these people. I say that to say this. The good news is still good news. And people just need to hear it. So put a sign in your yard. Put a, put a poster in your window at work. Take one of these cards and hand it to someone. Even if you're a little nervous about sharing the gospel, guess what? We will share it for you. It's right here. And it's awesome. And I have watched each one of these videos, checked all the translations, made sure it all is right. Um, <clears throat> But, you know, Spanish and Hindi and Farsi and Mandarin, I mean, the languages that our community speaks are going to be found on this website. So let me encourage you. Would you just join me in praying that God would use this evangelistic effort to lead men and women and boys and girls to Jesus? Could we just pray that that's exactly what will happen? Let's do that right now, okay? Let's just stop and pray. Let's ask God to bless this effort and use it for his glory. Father, we thank you so much for the good news of the gospel. And Lord, we know that you've called upon us to share this good news. Thank you for the news that's changed our lives. And Lord, may we return the favor.
by sharing this good news with our community. We ask you to take this effort. Easter, why does it matter? We ask you to take this effort and bring people to faith in Christ. And Lord, we ask that as these souls are one to Jesus, that we'll be able to follow up with them and provide opportunities for them to continue to grow in their faith. And we just pray, God, that we'll be able to celebrate with you the souls that will come to know Jesus over these next couple of weeks. May it be so. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, with that said, let's talk a little bit about Romans 8 today. I've entitled this message, Recreation. That is going to be our theme this summer as we're making our way through this uh, exploration of various re-words that are found either in the scripture or in our theological vocabulary. Recreation will be our word and our emphasis for the summer. Obviously a play on words for recreation and we'll give you more information about it. But today, look with me at Romans 8. We'll begin in verse 18 and go through verse 25. Hear what the Apostle Paul has written. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. For the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth, right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved, but hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. Well, this morning, here's where I want to begin as we look at this text, and that is with the pain of the present. That's what Paul addresses in the opening part of this text. Sin has affected all of creation. That's the pain of the present that Paul outlines in this text. When when you read Romans 8, as I said, this this is one of the more meaningful pages in our Bibles, It begins with no condemnation. It'll end with no separation. We've already learned that there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Paul has talked about life in the spirit in Romans 8 already. Last Sunday morning, we looked at what it means to be God's children, heirs, co-heirs with Christ. And so using that lofty imagery, Paul just states it so eloquently how powerful the gospel is. But then you come to verse 18, and he pauses for a few verses. He pauses for some theological reflection. Because what Paul says is, even though we are heirs with Christ, co-heirs with Christ, we are living in the Spirit, there's no condemnation for us in Christ Jesus. Paul says, however, I look at my world And I need to reflect theologically for just a moment. Because Paul says we live in real time, in an earthly existence, in a very troubled world. Now theologically, we've referred to that here as inaugurated eschatology. Y'all remember that? We're doing some vocabulary lessons this morning. Inaugurated eschatology. That means that we believe that the age to come has already been established. It's not yet been fully realized. That you and I are living at this intersection between the age to come 
and the present age because the present age overlaps it. But Jesus has established the age of come. And they are co-realities. And so we live in this dynamic tension between the now and the not yet. So Paul pauses and reflects theologically on our current reality. And Paul teaches us that believers are living in a broken world. How would I summarize what Paul teaches in verses 18 through 25 of Romans 8? I'd put it like this. Everything is out of sorts. When you look around, when you look within, what is the pain of the present? Well, here's what Paul calls it. Look at verse 18. Our present sufferings. Now, Paul is not writing that necessarily to refer to his personal situation, being in prison or something like that, being persecuted. All that did happen to Paul. But, but that's not what this is about. Paul is speaking more generally. Our present sufferings. He's referring to the brokenness and the pervasive presence and the prevailing effect of sin. Now, he's already demonstrated to us that human beings are sinful. In this very letter, if you go back to Romans 3, verse 9, Paul says, there is no one righteous, not even one. If you go to Romans 3, verse 19, Paul says, every mouth is silenced and everyone is accountable to God. If you go back to Romans 3, 23, Paul says everybody has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. If you go back to Romans 5, verse 12, Paul says sin entered the world through one man and death through sin. And it's death to all because all have sinned. If you read Romans 5, verse 18, Paul says one trespass has condemned all people. So all of humanity has participated in it. But then you come to Romans 8, verse 18, and here's what's happening theologically. Are, are y'all still with me? Okay, here's what's happening theologically. Paul now takes it to another level. He's already proven we're sinners. We're, we're sinful people. We're condemned because of our sin. And it's affected everybody. No one is righteous. Not a single one. It's pervasive. The prevailing impact of sin has touched every human. But now he takes it to another level. If you catch it, here's what he says in verse 18. Paul says, sin... It has brought God's judgment on humanity, separation, we're short of God's glory, death. But now look what he says. All of creation has actually been affected by the sinfulness of humanity. In other words, sin hasn't just affected us. Sin hasn't just introduced brokenness to us. Paul says, here's what sin has done. Sin has actually affected God's creation. Think about that. This is a holistic understanding of sinfulness. So look at verse 19 of Romans 8. Paul says, here's what's happening now. Creation is actually waiting in eager expectation. Look at verse 20. Creation has been subjected to frustration. Not by its own choice, but that's a part of God's judgment by the will of the one who subjected it. That's a reference to God. Look at verse 21. Creation is living in bondage to decay. And then verse 22, he says creation, the Greek text adds that, that little prefix soon, S-U-N, which means together. And so he says creation has been groaning together. 
And so Paul's point is, it's a holistic, comprehensive theological reflection on sin. Sin has even affected creation. Now you may say, well now wait a minute preacher, how do you know that? What does that even mean? Well, think about it. Droughts, floods, tornadoes, tsunamis, hurricanes, typhoons, tidal waves, earthquakes. You know what those are all signs of? Creation groaning. Creation sighing, if you will. All evidence of the brokenness of sin and how it's affected. Even God's creation. Because when God spoke everything into existence, it was a perfect reflection of his will. Amen? Perfect. And now look at it. There's brokenness in families, marriages, every human relationship, every political system, even creation itself. Let me go back to my summary of what Paul teaches us in this text. Everything is out of sorts. And so when you and I, <coughs> excuse me, when we think about sin, sometimes we so marginalize it and you know, we say, well, you know, sin is just, I mean, it's missing the mark. It is missing the mark, sure it is. Well, sin is just those little acts of rebellion. Yes, that's what sin is, acts of rebellion. But here's what you need to know. Sin has affected everyone and everything, even creation itself. So when you wonder, why is all this happening? Why are there so many natural disasters? You know why? My understanding theologically is creation is groaning, waiting, expressing its own brokenness, subjected to frustration, all as a result of the sinfulness of humanity. However, Paul doesn't end with that. There's hope. Praise God. Paul also points out briefly in this text the unfolding purpose of God. Well, what is that? It is God's great plan. Notice the rewords of redemption is in place. And he is restoring, reclaiming all that has been lost in his gracious recreation endeavor. You know what God's about right now? Recreation. That's what he's doing. And there are signs of it all around. In fact, Genesis 1 says what? Genesis 1 verse 1 says what? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That's Genesis 1. And then the great recreation project. John 1 Verse one says, in the beginning, in the beginning, right? Harkening back to Genesis, creation. Now it's the story of re-creation. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God, and he was with God in the beginning. And through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Verse 14, and the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us, and we have seen his glory. Remember what we fall short of. 
We've seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father full of grace and truth. Do you think Jesus is big enough for the recreation project? That's what he came to do. Now something else is afoot. Not, not only are we living in this present reality, a painful presence. Here's what I know. God is at work in the midst of this brokenness and he's reclaiming and he's rescuing and he's restoring and he's reconciling, reconciling. That's our, that's our word for the spring, reconcile. And he is recreating. That's what the Bible teaches us. What does the Bible say? 2 Corinthians 5 verse 17, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone and the new is here. So the recreating work of God is on display in you. He is recreating you and the old is gone and the new is here. A part of the unfolding purpose of God is the redemption of humanity. Notice, look at verse 18 of Romans 8. Paul says, our present reality, this, this suffering, this painful present that we're living in, he says, I know that there's a future. And the future is that glory will be revealed in us. We have fallen short of God's glory in this present age. But in the age to come, because of the recreating power of God, glory is going to be revealed in us. And so just like creation is groaning, and creation is waiting, and creation is expecting, Paul says we're doing the very same thing. Look at verse 23 of Romans 8. He says, not only so, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit, we are groaning, and we are groaning inwardly. And what is it that we're groaning for? We are groaning for the day that we are fully realized as the children of God in the kingdom of God, where we are fully revealed as the children of God. The work has already started. The recreating work of God has already begun in my life as a Christian. However, there's so much more to come. As a matter of fact, look at what he says. He says, we're groaning inwardly, verse 23. We're waiting for our adoption to sonship. We're waiting for that to be fully known. We've already been adopted, but we're waiting for it to be fully known. Then look what he says. Here's how we will know the redemption of our bodies, Paul says. <laughs> the redemption of our bodies. Because you see, here's the deal. Creation is groaning, and the sinfulness of humanity has affected creation. It's affected everything about us. Even our bodies are living examples of decay and corruption. Our bodies are amazing gifts, aren't they? But just keep yours long enough and see what happens. You know what's prone to? Decay. Some of y'all are sitting really smugly right now. In due time. You'll get to that point in due time. Where every time you go to the doctor, the doctor says, have you fallen lately? What? Have I fallen lately? What kind of question is that? Well, it's just a question we ask somebody your age. That's what she said. I said, have you fallen lately? <clears throat> She said, I'm not as old as you. I said, mm-hmm. <laughs> what is happening to me? It's what's happening to everybody. Just hang on long enough. And guess what these bodies do? They'll fail you. And here's what'll happen to you. I'm gonna tell you this right now if you don't know it. If you live long enough, you'll die. <laughs> That's the honest truth, isn't it? 
Just hang on, keep living, you'll see. But guess what? Guess what happened on Easter? You remember? Jesus Christ was gloriously resurrected from the dead to never die again, hallelujah. So you know what he is for us? He is an example of the realized eschatology. Hold on, my sign keeps falling here. He's an example of realized eschatology. In other words, what I mean by that is Jesus is the sign that a new day is dawning. The resurrection of Christ is a foretaste. And I want you to notice, he wasn't just resurrected from the dead spiritually, he was resurrected from the dead bodily. And so Paul says, we're waiting for that day for us when our bodies will even be redeemed. That's how pervasive redemption is. Our hope is to be fully redeemed. Look at verse 24. It's in that hope we've been saved. It's the hope of full, complete redemption where we get our fully redeemed bodies outfitted for a purposeful existence for all eternity. So the unfolding purpose of God, not only does it start with me and you, it does, but his plan is going to result in the redemption of creation itself. So think about that. Every time someone is saved, They are participating a little bit in the unfolding drama of God's great plan of redemption where he's reclaiming even creation for himself. So it's not just that somebody's been saved, they have, but here's what's happening. God is working and he's changing something. It's a foretaste of the future. That's why I love the way Paul puts it in verse 22. He says, we've been groaning. Notice the image he uses. In the pains of childbirth. Now, you moms, you know about that, don't you? You know what it's like to groan in the pains of childbirth? But guess what, that, guess what the image is for Paul? The groaning, he says, it's, it doesn't lack purpose. It's not just groaning for groaning's sake. It's groaning, man, there's something beautiful coming. Just like for that mom. There's a baby at the end of this groan. It's a gift, a miracle. And Paul says, yes. We're groaning, but guess what? We're about to be set free. And here's what's going to happen to creation. Look at verse 21. Creation itself is going to be liberated from its bondage to decay, he says. And so not only are we going to be saved, creation is going to be saved. So keep reading your Bible and you come to the very last page. And what does John say? Then I saw a new heaven. And what? And a new earth, recreation, finally on full display for everyone to see. Wow, y'all, come on now. That's where this thing's headed, and you're a part of it. And so as God redeems you, you're a part of all of creation being redeemed. There is a grand plan afoot. I love it. Now let me just point out one other thing real quickly. We live in the meantime, though, don't we? Here we are, we've got this hope, but we're still here in the meantime. Well, This is just a precursor to next Sunday's sermon. And that is there's a powerful, personal presence of God that's available for me and you. How's that work? Well, God's spirit. He's engaged in our daily lives in practical, meaningful ways. The Holy Spirit hasn't been given to us just as a gift that means nothing. The Holy Spirit of God has been given to us And practical things happen. I want you to look at verse 23. Paul says, not only so, but we ourselves, we have the first fruits of the Spirit. The Spirit of God is now at work in me and in you. 
That's a part of God's unfolding purpose. And the first fruit means that the Spirit of God has sealed us into the family of God. He has secured our adoption as the children of God. He's empowering and equipping us to live as agents of reconciliation and restoration in this broken world. That means that God is using you, your own assignment. You're an ambassador for his glory. So as God restores glory in you, and you participate in God's glory being restored in some little small part of the world in which you live, you are now part of this great, huge plan that one day is going to find ultimate fruition when there's a new heaven and a new earth. But you'll have your hands on it. Praise God. So the Spirit of God is at work in me and in you. You know, I've shared this with you already, but I'll just remind you, last summer, when I was in Angel Fire, studying and praying for this year. And I got that notebook out and um, I just started writing ideas about 2022. And I was staring at a blank page as I tore some of the pages off and I just wrote at the top of that page, re. You remember me telling you all that? Just re. And for some reason, it just, it just struck a nerve. And the next thing you know, as fast as I could, I started writing down every re word I could think of. And 2022 just fell into place right in front of me. And I began to pray about it and ask God for resources and ask God to confirm it and speak to me. I started Googling restoring, Christian restoring, biblical restoring. Does anybody know anything about restoring? And I came across this little book, Restoring All Things. So I bought it, had it shipped to my house. Didn't know anything about it. Never read it, didn't know anything that was in the book. But the title of the book is Restoring All Things, God's Audacious Plan to Change the World Through Everyday People. That's Romans 8. And so when I opened it up, I get to the introduction of the book. And the introduction is, God loveth re-words. <laughs> so I started reading this chapter. And here's what the authors say. The Bible is both the story of God and the true story of the world. It's not the complete story of the world, but it's the story which God, in his sovereignty and love, has chosen to reveal to us. The re-words we find throughout Scripture unlock in all kinds of ways the central plot of the grand story of God's cosmos. From its beginning in Genesis to its new beginning in Revelation, it is the story of God's creation of the world, of man's rebellion against God, of God's love and grace being so great that he sent his son to redeem us. And in the final chapter of how he is in the process of restoring all things to himself. So, the Bible is not, or not merely, a book about how to have a better life or how to handle life's problems. It is a book that explains the universe and how God is in the process of redeeming and restoring it to its original good, true, and beautiful state. Amen to that. Recreation. That's what God's doing. And you are a part of it. Amen and amen. Let's pray together. Well, Father, today we, we are grateful, Lord, for your word, for the teaching of your word. We thank you that, that you've chosen not to just let this world run its own course. You, you've chosen not to just left, you've just not left us to our own devices, but you have intervened through your son, and you are now recreating. And it is a glorious thing to behold. The salvation of souls, the redemption of people, the restoration of relationships. 
filling people with joy in your spirit, releasing them from their bondage. It's a beautiful thing to behold. And we thank you for it. And every time it happens, we rejoice because just a little bit of creation has been reclaimed by your power. Lord, we eagerly wait expectantly. Along with creation, we join in the groaning for the days in which our hope will be fulfilled and all things will become new. Oh Lord, encourage us with this good news. May we be faithful to share it in the midst of the brokenness of our troubled world. And we pray that in Jesus' name, amen.